Welcome to the CrocCast, peace studies conversations convened by the University of Notre Dame's Croc Institute for International Peace Studies, part of the Keough School of Global Affairs. In this episode, recorded during the Building Sustainable Peace Conference here on campus, Croc Institute Director of Catholic Peacebuilding Studies, Jerry Powers, sits down to talk with Professor Mary Ann Cusimano-Love and Professor Tobias Winwright about nuclear disarmament, the Catholic Church, and what to expect during Pope Francis's upcoming visit to Tokyo, Hiroshima, and Nagasaki in Japan from November 23rd through 26th. Hello, this is Jerry Powers. I'm director of Catholic Peacebuilding Studies at the Kroc Institute for International Peace Studies at the University of Notre Dame. And today we are talking about Pope Francis's upcoming visit to Japan. 74 years ago, the United States destroyed Hiroshima and Nagasaki with atomic bombs. Fortunately, nuclear weapons have not been used in war since, but many argue the threat of nuclear use is as great today as at any time during the height of the Cold War. On November 23rd to 26, 2019, Pope Francis will be the second pope to visit Japan. The previous visit was by Pope St. John Paul in 1981. Now, the theme of Pope Francis's visit is to protect all life. Like John Paul II, he will visit both Hiroshima and Nagasaki. He will give what is expected to be a major address on nuclear weapons at the Atomic Bomb Hypocenter Park in Nagasaki, and then participate in a meeting for peace at the Peace Memorial in Hiroshima. To discuss the importance of the Pope's visit, I'm joined by two of my colleagues who are part of the initiative on revitalizing Catholic engagement on nuclear disarmament. This initiative is helping to empower a new generation of Catholics, church leaders, scholars, and students to contribute to wider efforts to further reduce and ultimately eliminate nuclear weapons. With me is Marianne Kusmanolov, Associate Professor of International Relations at the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., and Tobias Winwright, Professor of Theology at St. Louis University, and also a visiting fellow at the Kroc Institute this semester. Why don't we begin with you, Marianne? You were representative for the Holy See to the UN's negotiations that led to the 2017 Nuclear Ban Treaty. And the Holy See was the first state to become a party to that treaty. Could you, for the audience who's not familiar with the treaty, say a word about the treaty itself? And how would you describe the role that Pope Francis and the Holy See, the Vatican, played in that debate about the treaty and in the nuclear debate in general in recent years? Thanks, Jerry. The treaty is very interesting. All other weapons of mass destruction have been banned. So chemical weapons, biological weapons, uh, as part of an ongoing movement away from these weapons of mass destruction, starting with the Geneva Conventions, and those, those restrictions on those types of weapons had been further delimited over the years. And the loophole was really nuclear weapons. So here you had this very strange situation where the most destructive form of weapons of mass destruction was not universally banned. Now, they were mostly banned, unless you think I'm saying like the Monty Python, I'm mostly dead. (laughs) Uh, What this means is the rest of the world had already banned nuclear weapons, the global south, through a series of nuclear weapons-free zones. 
They had made sure that weapons would not be allowed into their areas, into their airspace, their seas, their land. And many Catholic countries were the leaders of that movement to ban nuclear weapons in those zones, particularly Mexico was at the front of the line, the first to do this banning of nuclear weapons in Latin America after the Cuban Missile Crisis. They were not a big fan of having uh, nearly a, a nuclear Armageddon right near them. And also the most bombed place on earth is actually uh, the border with Mexico in Navajo Nation near Arizona, New Mexico. So Mexico had been very much a leader in this and the, the Catholic Church uh, behind the scenes as well. And so there's been this history to move towards banning these weapons. And to take it to the present day, the church was very engaged in revitalizing that history, reengaging that. There were a series of conferences on the humanitarian impact of nuclear weapons, that the the Holy See was really the key in getting those conversations going. How do these bombs affect real people in real places around the world? And that led to the 2017 treaty that 122 countries have signed. They're in the 30s now in terms of a number of countries that have ratified this, banning nuclear weapons. And what exactly is the Holy See's role in, as you see it, in the debate? Uh, You've used the term sometimes referred to the Holy See's role as a moral entrepreneur. What do you mean by that? So the Pope and and the Church speak differently about nuclear weapons than governments of countries do. When governments of countries have conversations about nuclear weapons, they talk about very narrow technical issues and power politics. How does this fit with the balance of power and those types of issues? The church sees it very differently. They look at what is the human face of this issue? How does this impact real people and real communities? So their focus has been really to engage that discussion of how do these weapons impact real communities? All the arms control and disarmament treaties that have existed on nuclear weapons up until now had all been made by political elites, by the heads of government. Mostly that meant white males in Western countries. And the people impacted by those weapons had zero voice in any of those discussions or any of those treaties or any of those commitments to try to limit or get to deeper disarmament. And the Holy See was trying to break that pattern by inviting in the voices of, of women, of youth, of indigenous communities, the people who have been harmed by nuclear weapons, and have their voices be heard at a time when there was a waning commitment of the political leadership to move towards deeper disarmament. So they have been that kind of moral entrepreneur in terms of bringing a, the, a human face to this issue. It's not a narrow issue. It's not a technical issue. This is a moral issue of the protection of human life and dignity. Let me bring you into the conversation, Tobias. After the UN ban treaty was signed by 122 countries and the Vatican was the first to fully ratify, uh, sign and ratify the agreement, there was a major conference which you attended, all of us attended at the Vatican in November 2017 11 Nobel Prize winners were there, uh, many government leaders, senior NATO officials, and others involved in negotiating the ban treaty were all present. And the Pope gave a major address at that conference. Uh, Could you say a little bit more about that and why that address might relate to the Pope's visit and upcoming visit in Japan? Sure. As a segue, though, I will also say that at that conference at the Vatican, there was a woman there from Japan who was a survivor of one of the atom bomb droppings. And, and that was an example of listening to those human persons 
who have been impacted by such weapons. And I think that really is meaningful and significant. But the conference itself, we had this audience with the Pope, and Pope Francis there issued a letter welcoming us there, as well as in that statement, he did, for the first time, say that the possession of nuclear weapons itself is morally wrong. That was something that was new, that got a lot of news media attention, and it really generated a lot of conversation and discussion there. And what was new about it? In the past, previous popes such as John Paul II, Benedict XVI, as well as the United States Catholic bishops and other bishops, not all bishops' conferences around the world, but most of them, although they condemned the use of nuclear weapons and they really called for the elimination of nuclear weapons at some point, that's the goal, they did allow for, in the interim, the possession of nuclear weapons as a deterrent to their use. And the condition for the moral acceptance of deterrence was that it be used as a step toward nuclear disarmament. Exactly. Deterrence was a means to the end of disarmament. So it sounds like the, the Pope has changed the church teaching? In my view, if he hasn't changed it, it's a step in that direction. To say that the possession, not only their use, but their possession itself is immoral, that's pretty loud and clear that, uh, I mean, why possess them if not for either using them or using them as a deterrence? So deterrence itself, you're using those weapons. Maybe you're not detonating them, but you're using them in a way. I used to be in law enforcement, and I would have a firearm, I, even if I didn't hold it and point it at someone, the fact that I possessed it when I'm on the scene, that was an act of kind of force and coercion where I'm actually, it's being used as a threat. And some would call that existential deterrence. Sure. <laughs> that the mere fact that you possess the nuclear weapon or the, the gun might deter uh, others who know that you possess the gun. Right. So now my reading of the Pope's statement is a bit different. I don't believe he's abandoned the basic formula of a strictly conditioned moral acceptance of deterrence, that is, deterrence is acceptable in the interim so long as it's being used as a means to get toward eventual mutual, mutual disarmament. But what, what the Pope has done is he's made a prudential moral judgment based on his reading of the nuclear signs of the time since the end of the Cold War and concluded that the current nuclear deterrence not nuclear deterrence in principle, but the current nuclear deterrence as they exist today and the policies of the nuclear powers do not meet the conditions, namely that they're not moving rapidly enough toward nuclear disarmament. Instead, they're spending, the U.S. is spending over a trillion dollars in the next couple decades to modernize its nuclear weapon systems as is in Russia and China and Britain and France are doing the same. And so the Holy See is, uh, doesn't think the nuclear powers have moved fast enough to take advantage of the opportunities that came with the end of the Cold War and, in fact, are going in the opposite direction now. And that's why the pope felt the need to make this prudential moral judgment but not a principled condemnation. 
And Jerry, if I could add, I think you're right. He was looking at the signs of the time and, and trying to emphasize that not enough movement had been done towards deeper disarmament, which was the only condition that this would be at all acceptable. But the other, I think, is he's trying to draw attention that people are dying right now from nuclear weapons. You don't simply die from nuclear weapons when they're dropped over Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That the environmental impact, the impact of testing, and the impact of accidents is harming people today. So right now, most Americans think, most people around the world think, the only times nuclear weapons have been used were when they were dropped in war in Hiroshima and Nagasaki two times. Actually, they've been dropped over 2,000 times. Over 1,100 of those times were by the United States, in which we bombed ourselves to see if the weapons would work. Those testing harmed people. People were hurt. People had suffered environmental and health impacts. Children born today in Navajo Nation in the United States are still at elevated radiation levels. Those have not been remediated, those lands, those waters. People in Kazakhstan, where the, the Russians bombed extensively, that land and water has not been cleared. And those people are still feeling those impacts. This past summer in Russia, there was an accident where the Russians have been covering up what happened. They very distinctly turned off the radiation detectors, and it was an accident at an armories plant. They had to evacuate 16,000 people because of this accident. The Russians have told us that they've admitted that 16 people died in the accident, but they're not giving any of the information about it. But most scientists believe that there was an accident at a nuclear-involved weapons system. So what the Pope is doing is drawing attention to there is a cost, a human cost in lives, in health, in environment, as well as what the church has always said in terms of the money that's being spent on these weapons system that is theft from the poor. And that's a different kind of accounting than government officials will do that will make you think, there's no cost to these weapon systems. We just have them somehow in abeyance. One last point on this. The United States is the most drug-addicted country in the world. Russia is the most alcohol-addicted country in the world. And the two of our countries have over 90% of all the nuclear weapons in the world. That's not a good recipe for safety and security of those weapon systems. We've had lots of accidents, lots of near misses. And I think what the Pope is trying to do is draw our attention to the very real human cost right now to these weapon systems. And I would emphasize, Marianne, what you said about the environment. I mean, with Laudato Sea issued in 2015, the cry of the poor, the cry of the earth, not only do we refer to nuclear weapons and other weapons of mass destruction, but nuclear weapons are weapons of long-term destruction. Mark Allman and I have, have argued. And, and the consequences to the environment itself uh, is wrong in and of itself. More and more let out of sea says, you know, that it has intrinsic value and that creation should be respected. So the two biggest existential threats we have right now in the eyes of many people, including myself, is um, the climate crisis as well as nuclear crisis. And these two kind of go hand in hand, I think, right now. And the Vatican, Pope Francis, given what he did in let out of sea, I think it's totally making sense that he's also giving this attention to nuclear disarmament. So let's turn to the Japan visit now that we have that helpful context. Now, the pilot and the bombardier of the bomber that hit Nagasaki were both Catholics. 
And Nagasaki had been the center of the small Catholic minority in Japan, which was largely wiped out in the bombing. And in 1981, when Pope John Paul II gave his memorable speech at the Peace Memorial in Hiroshima, he said that war is the work of man, war is destruction of human life, war is death. And nowhere do these truths impose themselves upon us more forcefully than in this city. And he spoke those words in nine languages, Japanese, but also English, Chinese, French, and Russian, the languages of the five largest nuclear powers, just to make sure that he was being heard by everyone who should be hearing his words. So what can we expect from the Pope's visit to Japan? Jerry, I think it's really telling that he's starting in Nagasaki. And I think most Catholics, and particularly American Catholics, do not understand that the Catholic Church was decimated by our own bombing, by the U.S. bombing, that they survived centuries of persecution, had just rebuilt the the cathedral at Nagasaki, were praying in the cathedral when the bombs dropped on them. The bombs that dropped on Nagasaki was not the first target. They were kind of down on their target list because of bad weather. They did not drop it on the, the, the military target that they intended to get, but instead it was dropped on the cathedral, on the hospital, on the, on the children's elementary schools. And Catholics were at, at ground zero of that explosion. And they were also the first responders. So those that survived immediately began doing what the Catholic Church does, ministering in health care and emergency and relief services. So in some senses, the Pope is drawing a straight line between the work of the Church today on the humanitarian impact of, human, uh, of nuclear weapons and the work of the Church the first time those weapons were used in war in Nagasaki. He calls the Church a field hospital. That's his favorite metaphor. And there you just gave us examples. Well, uh, Cardinal Perlin, the Vatican Secretary of State, has said, said in his address to the UN in September that when the Pope visits Japan, he will not fail to make the strongest appeal possible for considered efforts toward the elimination of nuclear weapons. So I think we that is clear. He will reiterate that same call that many of his predecessors have made, all of his predecessors have made since the advent of the at- atomic bomb. What are some of the other main policy issues that, that he's likely to raise? The Pope is going to Nagasaki and Hiroshima because world leaders are not. <laughs> he's drawing attention. He's trying to draw the cameras, the public attention, and the, and the government leaders' attention to these issues because they have not been getting much attention. And we're at a very dangerous time right now regarding nuclear arms control and disarmament. A number of the treaties that have been in place for a very long time, kind of keeping the guardrails on, reducing the nuclear arms arsenals, and reducing the competition in the nuclear arms sphere are being ripped up as we speak. So this administration has withdrawn from the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Agreement. The Trump administration. Yes, and the— That's the agreement that eliminated medium-range nuclear weapons in Europe. Yes, and those are some of the most destabilizing weapons. They're the ones somewhat most susceptible to accident and theft, and they're ones that have the least amount of reaction time. So it speeds up decision-making to use or lose these weapons, and it's very destabilizing, which is why they were, they were uh, constrained by that agreement. And then the second big arms control treaty is the new START treaty that was—the first START treaty was under the 
uh, Bush administration, the this, this second star treaty, the new start was under the Obama administration. These greatly reduced the numbers of nuclear weapons, but also put in place transparency, accountability, verification measures where we could routinely inspect each other's arsenals and have a degree of trust in what was happening. That treaty is set to expire, and there's no real work around or sense of urgency around renewing that treaty. So by doing this talk and this visit at this time, the Pope is trying to draw attention to this very dire issue that we're at a time of great nuclear danger, and a lot of people don't realize it. And I think you can also expect them to raise other issues, like the fact that the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty still has not gone into effect because some countries, key countries like the United States, have not ratified it. And I think he will also put the nuclear question into the larger issues of relation between disarmament and development and the need for the world to move toward away from a, a situation of focusing on national security and collective security, as important as those are, but to a world which is really based on cooperative security. So, his call for nuclear disarmament will be made in the context of the need for much uh, greater political changes too. It goes to the work Toby's been doing on the integration of these issue areas. He's saying we shouldn't be looking at arms control and disarmament separately as one issue, but as integrated with ecology, with development, with other issues, which is something I know you've been doing a great deal of work on, Toby. Yes, this semester here at the Kroc Institute, actually, uh, I've been kind of drilling, drilling down more into how that word integral is being used. It was used for integral human development. It's been used for integral ecology. It's now being used for integral disarmament. So these are not separate issues. As Laudato C. said, they are all interrelated, and it requires uh, the efforts of all disciplines, people from all different countries to work together and to try to weave out some sort of framework for addressing these things in a way that is not just a zero-sum thing, but what we're going to do with regard to the environment, it has something to do also with regard to nuclear weapons, as well as for economics and human development. And so as the Pope is likely to talk about integral peace, integral disarmament, integral ecology, integral development, the bottom line is he's concerned about human beings. And in January 2018, he released a photograph taken in 1945 showing a young Japanese boy carrying his dead brother after the United States dropped the atomic bomb on Nagasaki. And he wrote only four words on the back, the fruit of war. And I think that's the bottom line for the Pope. And that's what we'll expect to see in his visit to Japan in a few weeks. Thank you both very much. Thank you for having us. Thanks for the conversation. been listening to the CrocCast, Peace Studies Conversations convened by the University of Notre Dame's Croc Institute for International Peace Studies, part of the Keough School of Global Affairs. In the coming months, we will be bringing you more episodes recorded during the Croc Institute's Building Sustainable Peace Conference, which brought more than 450 Peace Studies scholars and practitioners to the Notre Dame campus from November 7th through 10th, 2019. You can find all episodes of the CrocCast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, and online at croc.nd.edu slash podcast. You can also rate and review our podcast, which helps more people find our show. 
For more updates and stories from the Kroc Institute, follow us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.